Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We got a lot on the show today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor is author, attorney, and TYT contributor Adrian Lawrence. And Jonathan Hartley will join me in the bullpen to talk about Russian sanctions and inflation in the United States. Top story of the day. One of the most ridiculous bills to come from Republicans is the don't say gay bill. Now, the person that you're looking at, he's the guy who sponsored the bill, Dennis Baxley out of Florida. And according to Mr. Baxley, this was in no way targeted for the LGBTQ community. And then he actually admitted, yes, it was targeted for the LGBTQ community, fact checking himself in real time. Well, this bill has now passed the House and the Senate in the state of Florida. It is called the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill by LGBTQ activists has now been passed by both the Florida Senate and the Florida House. The bill would limit what classrooms can teach about sexual orientation and gender identity. I'm gonna take you somewhere here because there may be people who disagree with the lifestyle, which is ridiculous to me. I'm a live and let live guy. Everyone should agree that individuals who have a sexual orientation that's their own or gender identity that is their own. They should still have access to protections. They should have freedom of expression. These things are common to the existence of humanity. So why single them out? And I want to remind everyone, there's no bill that says you can't say rape. There's no bill banning the word killing in classrooms. There's a legislation banning the use of the word gay is virtually what it comes down to or anything that is associated with the LGBTQ community. Isn't that ironic? It gets deeper. The bill would also allow parents, this is the genesis of the bill. It would allow parents to sue schools or teachers that engage in these topics. If the bill is ultimately signed into law, it will go into effect into effect January 1st. Governor Ron DeSantis has said he supports the bill, though he has not explicitly said he will sign it if it crosses his desk. Now I want you to think about something. This is not actually a problem. This bill solves no problem. There is no problem in the school system as it relates to the bill they're creating. No teacher, no force in the administrative or the policy making arm of higher education or excuse me, K through 12 education has said we have a problem with LGBTQ students in the school, nobody. This is one of those red meat bills that harms, it does not help, creates a problem, solves nothing. There's more, the Florida Senate debated the frequently referred to don't say gay bill on Monday. But one Republican spoke in such circles that he ultimately ended up fact checking himself. Responding to comments from one Democrat about why the GOP does not care about the talk of drugs, the talk of rape, the talk of murder, or other topics. Instead, Republicans are more focused on addressing issues like civil rights 
and LGBTQ equality. You gotta ask yourself that question. Even if you're on the other side politically, even if you are a conservative and you are typically down with conservative legislation, you have to ask the question, is this a priority in the legislative cycle for the state of Florida? They're not banning these other words. They're not banning curriculum associated with any other dynamic than the LGBTQ community. Let's put up his picture. This is state representative Dennis Baxley. Dennis Baxley, that guy, spoke for hours according to one Miami reporter. Baxley told his colleagues that the bill did not single out gays. Oh No, no, the bill does not single out gays. Finally, however, he talked himself in such circles that he confessed he was scared by kids identifying as gay to be seen as celebrities. He literally said that in the same conversation while he's explaining how the bill does not target gays or gay children or members of the LGBTQ community. In the classroom, Republicans have banned books that discuss racial justice in America, including books about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, teaching the KKK or white supremacy is morally wrong, lessons about equality and diversity, the reality of LGBTQ rights and historical discrimination, and the women's suffrage movement. These are all things that GOP legislatures across America have successfully passed bans for. Adrian, thoughts? Well, I think this was all pretty predictable. Yeah. That's something we could have forecasted. The fact is that we've known that racism, sexism, those are ride or die. So the first time when they start going after this whole CRT thing and trying to make it seem like critical race theory was a problem, you know, it was just right around the corner that they would also attack people's sexual identity and essentially trying to keep this whole cis hetero white male supremacy in power. And they're doing that by essentially suppressing conversations, voice issues, people from being recognized. And this thought also too that they're saying this is a political issue. No, this is about humanity. This is recognizing people's humanity. And you know, this member of legislature saying that they're afraid that gay students would become celebrities. It just, it's just wound in this ignorance that's just so incredibly strange. But unfortunately, these individuals are the ones in positions of power to make the decisions that impact our society and our future when they're not even a reflection of what our society wants and what our future should be looking like. Yeah, and I want to remind everyone, we have covered teachers on Indisputable that have used racial slurs. We have covered educators that have physically assaulted other us. School teachers and children. We have covered administrators covering up child rape and sexual assault right here on Indisputable. How many pieces of legislation did Republicans create in order to provide remedy to those real problems? Not one. Not one. Not one lawmaker in the Republican GOP said, These are the real problems inside of our K through 12 education. So we're going to create policy legislation to solve them, not one. What they're doing is throwing what they consider to be red meat, creating problems rather than solving them. There's a cop, he assaulted a black male 
He was charged with multiple felonies. A jury just found him not guilty of four. They were hung on the, uh, not guilty of three hung on the fourth. Let me show you the video. Hi, I would like to report, um, I think it's called domestic violence or something because um, there's this guy who's beating up on this girl. And can you give me a description he, of what he looks like? Um, yes, he's, he looks African American. Did you see if he had any weapons or he was just choking her? Um, I didn't see any weapons, but she was trying to get away. And then um, he came behind her and said, effing be something, something, you're not going anywhere, I got you now. And then he got her by the um, weight. He grabbed her by the weight and dragged her the other way. Come over here. Come over here. Hey, relax. Face He did not do anything. That 911 caller was wrong. He was actually consoling his woman because someone had stole a personal item from her. Put up a picture of Mr. Dakari Spires. Let's keep that picture up. A San Francisco jury handed down a not guilty verdict on a police officer accused of excessive force in the beating of a black man on Fisherman's Wharf more than three years ago. Dakari Spires has spent the evening with his fiance and family at a wine tasting before he was brutally assaulted. Spires was beaten by an officer, his name is Stangle. Let's put up Officer Stangle. Officer Stangle left Mr. Spires wheelchair bound. According to his attorneys, he still walks funny and has not been able to return to work as a delivery driver. The cop is Terrence Stengel, okay? When Stengel and his partner responded to the domestic violence call, which was the 911 call, they encountered Dakari Spires with his girlfriend within seconds of arriving on the scene. Spires was on the ground, Stengel delivering at least seven blows with his metal baton. Remember, Mr. Spires was not guilty of any assault. He committed no assault whatsoever. That cop was found not guilty on three counts of brutality and a mistrial was declared on the fourth count, which means the jury was deadlocked. Stangle faced four felony charges, battery with serious bodily injury, assault with a deadly weapon, assault with force likely to cause great bodily injury and assault under the color of authority. The prosecution and defense will return to the court Tuesday to resolve the count of assault 
under color of authority. Some jurisdictions call it color of law. Prosecution or prosecutors can refile the charges or they can choose to drop them, all right? While felony assault charges are not unusual against civilians, the case against Stengel was momentous for several reasons. It appears to be the first case against an on-duty San Francisco police officer for excessive force, the first. And for many police accountability advocates, the prosecution stands as test for the DA. The campaign pledged to be tougher on cops in cases like this, brutality. The prosecutor, Rebecca Young, said in a closing argument last week that the case had troubling racial undertones, accusing the defense of exaggerating Spire's size and past criminal record, saying it's common knowledge that large black powerful men are associated with menace. But many pro-law enforcement groups saw the case as a massive overreach by the DA's office. They have only defended Stengel. They have not only defended Stengel actions, but also said the DA sought to minimize Spire's behavior that night in order to bolster her own case. Now remember, closing argument, Stengel's defense attorney called the trial a political prosecution, accused the DA of being liars, right? There appeared to be an obvious attempt by the defense to paint the DA's office in a poor light. That's according to the record. The young lady in the center of this, she did testify and say, no. There was no physical assault, he was consoling me, he was comforting me because there was an item that had been stolen and lost and she was emotional about it. The 911 call that comes in, that call is inaccurate. The police, they respond and they ask no questions. They start beating a man who simply does not know why he's being beaten. And he acts as if he doesn't know because he doesn't. The girlfriend is screaming, she doesn't know. Why this is happening, the prosecutor does the right thing. Remember, enforcement is important. The prosecutor takes this to trial. He gets found not guilty, it's tough to prosecute cops. But there was still one charge that the jury said, there's something here. We cannot say clearly this cop is not wrong. All right, so attorney Adrian Lawrence, I think the jury got it wrong on all of these other counts, but there's one that can still stick. Do you think the prosecution should go forward with another trial or use this as leverage to get a plea deal from the cop? Well, I think we have to look at in terms of this last particular charge, what sentence it could carry because it might be more advantageous to go ahead and get a plea deal if the sentence could end up being probation or something minor and really negligible. But what we do really do want to bear in mind is that we wanna see justice be done. And there is an incredible amount of issues going on right now in terms of these officers getting away with this misconduct and not facing prosecution. It's very unfortunate as well that the jury there, the representatives from the community think that that behavior is acceptable. Think that it's okay for the officer to have done what he did and to be able to simply walk away and not face any consequences. And I think that that is very much indicative of the problem here. And so if there is a potential civil rights lawsuit, whether it's brought by DOJ or this gentleman, it also needs to be done because there needs to be that message sent. 
event, that it is unacceptable to enter a situation and simply attack the first black person you see. Yeah, and let me remind everyone, let's put this up. Miss Brianna Richards, that was the name of the girlfriend. That is the name of the young lady in that video. She testified and I quote, he's never put his hands on me ever, Miss Richards said. Of the man she dated on and off for more than a decade. She reiterated what she told the police that night of the incident, by which time the two were engaged to be married. If Spires had been violent toward her, she would have told the police herself, according to her testimony. She was just as shocked as everybody else when they saw this video and when it happened. The young man was responding in shock of what was going down. All right. There's a candidate who just won the Republican primary. And this candidate joked about his daughters being raped. Here's the video. You know, having three daughters, and I tell my daughters, well, if rape is inevitable, you should just lie back and enjoy it. So um, that's not how we roll. That's not how I won this election. That's what he said. His name is Robert Reagan, Republican candidate for Michigan House of Representatives. He has won the Republican primary to become a Republican representative in the state of Michigan. I wanna show you a picture, let's put that picture up full screen. When he made this statement, that was the response of the women in that virtual meeting. Both of the women have smiles on their faces. He makes this insane comment about his own children being raped. See, this is an example, an expression of rape culture. Who in the hell can make a statement like that in a meeting and you're smiling and laughing as if this is okay? Obviously, the guy, he's a POS. His daughter actually said he was, I got proof of that too. Carol. Glanville, Reagan's Democratic opponent, also slammed him for talking about his own daughters getting raped. I did not think I would need to clearly state on the campaign trail that rape is never inevitable, acceptable, or warranted, and is the worst type of personal violation anyone could ever experience. In empathy and compassion, I stand with survivors everywhere while defending human rights, she said. Two years ago, one of Reagan's daughters publicly discouraged people from supporting her father during a different bid to win political office. She said, and I quote, if you're in Michigan and 18 plus, please for the love of God, do not vote for my dad. She wrote on Twitter at the time, and then she said, tell everyone. Well, my dear little sister. I am going to take your advice and tell everyone, do not vote for your dad. He's a horrible individual, so much so that he tells his daughters, if they're getting raped, sit back and enjoy it. His daughter said two years ago, don't vote for this man, for anything, tell everyone. 
What is rape culture? This is an example of it. You're seeing it right there by that Republican elected guy in the GOP primary. Rape culture is an environment in which rape is prevalent and in which sexual violence against women is normalized and excused in the media and popular culture. Rape culture is perpetuated through the use of misogynistic language, the objectification of women's bodies and the glamorization of sexual violence, thereby creating a society that disregards women's rights and safety. That's exactly who he is and everybody in that damn meeting. Attorney thoughts. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, this individual out here peddling rape culture, and then all of the others sitting there being silent. Um, you know, the women kind of laughing and whatnot. The fact is that it doesn't matter what your gender is uh, when it comes to advancing rape culture, engaging in uplifting sexism, misogyny, all of these things that are toxic, and that they continue to hold women back and subject us to violence. And you know what? It says a lot that his daughter alone would say, "Do not support this individual." Uh, I really, really hope that his constituents listen to her and act accordingly because this person is dangerous and it's not something we need in any kind of position of leadership. Yeah, and remember, when you're elected to the state house, state senate, you are in position of public policy. Public policy flows from the experiences, exposure and environment of the individual. It comes from their own value system. If he thinks like this openly, he also thinks like this privately and it will influence the way he influences yeah. legislation. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left, good to be with you. Let me read some of these comments. Before I get to the comments, I got some reminders. We got the big homie, J.R. Jackson, the watch list live weekdays. It's an amazing show. Make sure you tune in 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Find out the stories you should be paying attention to in news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. This is a 10-week test series on TYT. Make sure to support the big homie J.R. by watching live daily. And don't forget to subscribe. And follow at youtube.com forward slash watchlist TYT at facebook.com forward slash watchlist TYT. All right. Also, also podcast launch, the Bituation Room with Francesca is now part of TYT. Join Francesca and her famous progressive friends as they deliver an hour of laughs and analysis. You will thoroughly enjoy the program. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, okay? It is International Women's Day. So in honor of International Women's Day, we are going to celebrate by doing some things on Shop TYT. So Shop TYT just released two new designs shown here, boom. These designs were created by Two of our amazing graphic designers, Norma and Michelle, and are being promoted over the course of this week by the women of Shop TYT. Great women who take care of all of that good stuff for us here. All right, shoptyt.com. All right, let me read some of these comments. Greyhound Dragon says, why do people care so much about other sexual orientation or gender identity? Why do people think everything has to involve them? I never understand it. It's really, it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. I agree. Cray crazy flag. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday?
Yeah, take a deep breath. Ha! Right back at you. You're on medicine. You don't know who the f you're with. I don't give a Mind your business. You understand me? Sir, what's the problem? Ask her. Ask her. I was literally not doing anything. I ain't leaving after this is all. Nope. Call, call PD. I don't give a but she's a minor business and stay out of my business because she doesn't know what the is going on. I don't give a I don't give a I don't give a find that rat that no you know what the did you retrieve my contacts? No. My email? No. My I'm going to need Walmart to get a better loss prevention department. So this male Karen got upset because a woman was at the counter and one of the employees said, may I help you? Okay, so let me give you some background to this. Her name is Miss Hunt. Miss Hunt explains the situation. She says she went to the technology counter to purchase an Xbox controller. But there were no employees there. After finding an employee to help her, they returned to the counter to find a man standing there. So I've, I've had this situation before, okay? I'm in Walmart, there's nobody there to help me. And so I go find somebody and I walk them back to the counter because I need to be helped. And I say, hey, I've been here for a few minutes, nobody is here to help. Say, can you come over here and help me? Yes, I can come over there and help you. So after she did all of that work, Ms. Hunt put the work in, damn it. She does all of this work, comes back to the counter. Here's this male Karen who has done absolutely no work. You know you gotta work to get an employee at Walmart. All right, you gotta work for that sometimes. He does no work and he's upset because the woman is being waited on and not him. He says, according to Ms. Hunt, can you effing help me? Was his response. Hunt recounts, she says the employee explained that she had several customers waiting on her and that she would be with him in a moment. He goes, no, you're going to help me right effing now. And then the recording starts. You know, people that work in service industries go through enough. They have to deal with people like this. On a semi-regular basis, at least, it's ridiculous. 
So we highlight to bring two things, a mirror for what? Reflection and correction. All right, attorney, what are your thoughts on this? Shucks, I don't want to tell you not to shop at Walmart, but <laughs> you know, it's like when people lose it, and I get that sometimes people have moments and you have no idea what's going on in their lives outside of that situation. But I also realize that if you are having that much of a breakdown and you know that poor behavior in public, you should not be out in public. And it may be time to stay your ass at home. And this gentleman should have stayed his ass at home because his behavior is completely and totally out of line. It's absolutely absurd and ridiculous, and it's just, it makes everyone feel very fearful, uncomfortable, yeah. and it's not in any way productive. So I just, you know, it's just this Karen thing. I just, mm, eh, mm, maybe go to yeah. Target. It's extreme. And here's the thing he did not walk in there with that energy. He got mm -hmm. there because he felt as if his privilege was somehow tested, and, you know, he got angry. All right, police on police violence, it's a damn shame. Today, we're standing with the police against the police that was against the police on January 6th. Let me give you background to this story. There's a cop who actually obstructed justice, obstructed the DC police during the January 6th terrorist attack. I kid you not. A Virginia police officer, let's put his picture up. A Virginia cop has been accused of felony disruption of an official proceeding and misdemeanor disorderly conduct for his role in the January 6th attack on the US Capitol. His name is Officer Thomas Robertson. He was armed with a large wooden stick and used it to block the path of line of Metropolitan PD who were trying to control the crowd and provide backup. So here's a cop who literally engaged in obstructing other cops. Have you heard the police union come out against him? Have you heard the law and order Republicans who believe in the rule of law coming out against that cop? No. And they will not, because that cop represents their agenda. Their agenda is not law and order. Their agenda is not even pro-law enforcement. Because if it was, they would stand with the law enforcement who were assaulted on that day of terrorism. There's more. Robertson was fired from the department alongside fellow Rocky Mount officer Jacob Fracker after both were spotted at the riot. Got into further trouble after being granted pretrial release. So they get a sweetheart deal from the judge after being arrested. When authorities found they had a stockpile, 34 guns. This cop had a stockpile of 34 guns at a local firearms dealership, despite a federal judge's order not to be armed. Investigators also found a partially assembled pipe bomb in his home. Inside a box labeled booby trap and several boxes of ammunition. Put up his picture again. Now, here's why people do not like the police. This cop got charged with a felony. This cop engaged in an act of terrorism. He was a sworn officer of the law. He was entrusted with public trust. He goes to this terrorist attack 
He then obstructs justice. He impedes the DC officer's ability to actually do their jobs. Charged with a felony, goes to court. Judge says, oh, poor thing, you're a police officer. Pre-trial release, no guns, all right? Okay, he gets a sweetheart deal. And then violates the sweetheart deal by having bombs in his house. Over 30 weapons, ammunition. There is no indication Robertson felt any remorse for his involvement in the Capitol attack. In the days following his charges, he posted to gunbroker.com. They are trying to teach us a lesson, they have. But it's definitely not the intended lesson. I have learned that if you peacefully protest, then you will be arrested, fired, be put on a no-fly list. Have your name smeared and address released by the FBI so every loon in the US can send you hate mail. I have learned very well that if you dip your toe into the Rubicon, cross it. Cross it hard and violent and play for all the marbles. They gonna lock his ass back up. Now he's going back to jail for sure, all right? He's got every opportunity here. He's received every benefit of the doubt. And he's still talking about committing an act of domestic terrorist terrorism in the United States. This in part is the federal government fault, here's why. They never treated these attackers as they should have been. All of them who engaged in actual violence should have been charged based on the crime, but they were not. They were dealt with with kitty gloves. Adrian, I said this a few months ago, I said this is going to happen because of how light the federal government has been with these charges. And the pretrial release, the negotiated plea deals, that individuals would violate even more. They would feel empowered and that's exactly what you're seeing here. Yeah, no, there's no deterrent efficacy here. Right. Uh, the fact that these people are getting this slap on the wrist as opposed to facing actual consequences, it is essentially sending that message out there that you won't really suffer. It's okay to try to overthrow the government. It's okay to break into Nancy Pelosi's office. It's okay to threaten to kill the vice president. It's no big deal so long as you are white. And the problem is that we are going to have more instances like this moving forward because people aren't seeing consequences for this initial this initial attack on our democracy. And that's a very, very scary thing. Yeah, so what do we do? We have policy opportunity here, but that policy has not been passed. We have the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act that has not been passed. The President of the United States refuses to make every move available on the table. And damn it, if there's a gray area, make the move and let a judge tell you it was wrong. But we are not in that era in leadership inside of the Democratic Party. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, it's indisputable, good to be with you. There's a cop who decided to resign over his police issued communication device. But he also wanted to make sure that other cops were unlawful, breaking the law and not following orders. Here it is. For the next minute or so, I'm a police officer for the Tacoma Police Department. 
This message is to the police in D.C. and other cities that have spineless and tyrannical leaders such as mine. Stop allowing the left and the media to use our profession for political gain. The Freedom Convoy is coming, and you will be tested. If you violate people's constitutional rights due to the orders of some liberal tyrant, conservatives will turn on you. And they absolutely should for you doing so. Let us not forget that conservatives support law enforcement as they realize it is essential to upholding our rights and freedoms as Americans. Please do not repeat what happened in Canada as it only fuels the liberal narrative, divides our country, and goes against everything America is about. If you are going to stay in the profession, do it honorably. Remember, your oath is ultimately to uphold and support liberty, which is the absolute foundation this country is built upon. Police each other. And now for the fun part. X-ray 144 Tacoma. I'll be signing off for the last time. Just want to say cheers, boys, and let's go, Brandon. This country was not built upon the idea of liberty, but rather oppression, chaos, tyranny, violence. You see, policing is not the goal. Policing is a methodology to get to a place called public safety. But we allowed policing to hijack the public safety narrative. So now instead of us talking about what can actually impact public safety, what can we do to invest in public safety, which is the outcome, we are now accepting policing as the public safety model. Police officers are not designed, nor do they have the capacity to be your holistic public safety outcome. For the last five years, Crime has steadily increased in most major cities in the United States of America. For the last five years, police budgets have increased steadily in the United States of America. The math ain't adding up. If your public safety is codified in the continuation of a robust police department, why is it that police departments are more funded today than in the history of policing and still they are unable to decrease crime in your local community? Anytime a politician brags about we gave the cops more money, that is something they should be embarrassed to say. Because they're telling you they have no solutions to solve the underlying issues that lead to criminality in the first place. They are admitting defeat. They are letting you know we are simply going to throw money, hire more cops while crime increases because we failed to be thoughtful about addressing what led to the crime in the first place. Policing is one aspect of public safety. It is not public safety. It was not designed to be public safety. Remember, policing is the method, public safety is the outcome. It's the expectation. Defund the police means this. We look at public safety from a holistic point of view. That public safety involves smart investments into the community. If we have an issue with homelessness, or underlying issues connected to alcohol addiction or drug addiction or crimes of survival, we address those things head on. If you are a police officer, you know that many of the calls you get, they don't need a cop, they need a social worker, they need a mental health professional. If you are a police officer, you should stand with me and say we do need to defund the police. We need to take some of that inflated budget and actually spend it on things that decrease crime. Because police officers at the end of the day, are reactionary agents to crime. They statistically are not as effective at stopping crime as some of the other smart investments are. 
Okay, let's talk about this cop. He's already resigned. This is from Tacoma, the Tacoma police officer. His name is Robert Hollingsworth, has been placed on administrative leave even though he says he has resigned. Um, that's according to the department leaders after discovery of an online video that violates city policy. Hollingsworth, the cop, 33 years of age, recently created a video while sitting in a patrol car wearing his department uniform that praised a planned truck of protest and referred to Tacoma's leaders as spineless and tyrannical. Hollingsworth warns other police officers not to hinder the protest. His statement is general urging officers to resist orders, though he gives no specific examples. According to the statement from the Tacoma Police Department, Hollingsworth official resignation date is March 13th. The post or the video was made at the end of the officer of Officer Hollingsworth's last patrol shift. The statement reads, it asks that the department that the department was preparing Saturday to serve Hollingsworth administrative leave paperwork, which will require him to surrender his service weapon badge and department identification. Their statement concluded, the department had no prior knowledge of the individual's personal political views or their intention to post those videos to social media while at work. The opinion expressed by his in, by this employee does not reflect the opinions of the city of Tacoma Police Department. Use a damn lie. You think he's the only one that lets go Brandon is cold for his other colleagues. He definitely has friends and you have an issue of culture at your police department. Deal with it as such, cuz I guarantee you, if this would have been some other dynamic, you would say, hey, we need to investigate all of it, right? This cop is one representative of many in that police department. In a follow up video, Hollingsworth says he is considering rescinding his resignation. Think about it, rescinding his resignation and pursuing legal action, claiming that other officers made similar statements in uniform. He adds that he has been served with papers regarding administrative leave and refers to an apparent search by police for his service weapon. The man said he quit, and when they agreed with him quitting, he said, "Oh no, 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 I now would like to take back my resignation. Damn, it's that hard to get rid of a cop that a cop can literally quit and still get a paycheck and still have a job. You gotta think about how crazy this is. No other government department in city or county would have this kind of protection. If you work for watershed management, good luck. If you work in the transportation department, good luck. Because I guarantee you, if you mess up, Nobody's going to go do a GoFundMe for you. You will not be placed under some protected leave while you still get paid. You will be fired because they don't believe in reforming other departments. They believe in replacing them, except when it comes to policing. Now, all of a sudden, we need to work with everybody, even those that violate not only policy, but law. Agent thoughts. I understand that police departments have unions, and so I'm sure there is some union process. But at the same time, as you've noted, he resigned. Right. So why not just accept it and move on? Why go through all of this paperwork, administrative leave, and given these other opportunities and chances to now pull the shenanigans? Also, for the Tacoma Police Department to claim they had no idea who he was, that tells me you even have a problem because you didn't know who this person was, yet he was among your ranks. You gave him a weapon and you deputized him to. 
to have control and power over citizens. Like, come on, you should have known this is still on you. You do not get to wash your hands of it. And now it sounds like with his antics that you may even face some kind of legal consequence for it. This is clearly a you issue. You should weed these people out and get them out and essentially just get your stuff together. Now, Adrian, I gotta tell you, I'm a 40 year old black male. And I've seen a lot of things in my lifetime. Now you're an attorney, you understand employment law like I never will. So let me ask you this because this must be a white thing. I have never heard of somebody resigning and then suing the agency they resigned from for agreeing with their resignation. You gotta help me out on this one. Well, if you are claiming discrimination, you can say that it was essentially a constructive discharge, that you were forced out of the job by virtue mm. of the discrimination. But it doesn't seem to be what he is claiming here. But it did seem like he's trying to tee up some kind of discrimination claim by virtue of saying that you know there are other people in the department who have voiced similar political beliefs, but they have not been punished the way that I did, where I felt I had to leave and been constructively discharged. The thing is, is he's not a member of a protected class, but I don't necessarily know Washington civil rights law and if it goes even further to protect political beliefs or whatnot. But being a white male, I can't necessarily see how there's going to be a discriminatory treatment unless they were women or people of color who were making similar statements and they were not subject to what the retaliation that this mm. man probably will claim that he was subject to. Either way, it's going to be a nuisance. Wow, fascinating. I got a question for everybody. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. My brother, my brother. This was at Trump's property in Florida, the Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump did make an appearance there as well. The man dancing, well, walking on the auction. He was on the auction block, so to speak. They were paying for him, okay? He's having a good time, good for him. This was a fundraiser, the NFL player, let's put his picture up again. His name is Julius Jones, he's raising money for them. The hostess of the event encouraged the audience to touch him, feel him, you know. Jones has worked, walked the runway, former President Trump also made an appearance. So when I saw this, I said, mm, that's just cringeworthy. The Trump connection, the NFL connection, him being on an actual auction. And then when I researched the story more, he's not even getting the damn money. Adrian, 
Well, I, I do hope that the money goes to some kind of charity in some Hopefully. way, but it is absolutely cringeworthy. The fact that there is a legacy of black men essentially being sold at auction and then on top of that being hypersexualized and having him out there among individuals who do not respect him, who align with Trump's values and beliefs. It's, it's unfortunate that someone would allow themselves to be subjugated like this and to dance around and just be foolish in the process. Now, you can't even touch people at a strip club, Adrian, legally. Not legally. How is it legal for him to be on this auction runway and for the host to say, go ahead, touch him? No, I, I, maybe that whole runway is a champagne room, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I, I do not doubt that there was any, essentially this doesn't shock me. I just yeah. can't see that they would respect him as an individual, especially you know the fact that he's a black man up there. Uh, again, aligning with Trump's beliefs, being there, being present. It's just ugh, denigration. Looking like a tap dancing fool. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being on the show uh, as always. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your work and get your book. Ah, you can check me out on Twitter uh, at Adrian Law. You can find me also on Rebel HQ, which is on Facebook and YouTube, and check out my segment Overruled. Also, my book, Staying in the Game, the Playbook for Beating Workplace Sexual Harassment, award winner. It's also in the TYT shop. So go ahead and pick it up for International Women's Day. Support this woman. Beautiful Thanks. stuff. <laughs> Was he being sexually harassed? Um, I don't know in that you can't harass the willing. So I really don't know if he was down for it. All right, I appreciate you as always. Thanks.